0: Hey friends, this is John White with Stories from the Revolution. If you've been listening to previous episodes, you know that the revolution that we are talking about involves a massive spiritual paradigm shift, a different way of thinking about church and about becoming disciples and about making disciples. One important element of this shift is from left brain disciple making to whole brain disciple making. Let me explain what I mean. I previously referenced a book that Jim Wilder asked me to preview and to endorse. Uh, This book should be being published soon, so I would encourage you to watch for it. I believe this book will be a major game changer in how we think about growing in our faith and about making disciples. The title of the book is The Other Half of Church, Christian Community, Brain Science, and Overcoming Spiritual Stagnation. It's written by Jim Wilder and Michael Hendricks. The big idea of the book, which is coming from recent insights in brain science and brain research, is that God has created our brains as a dual processor. Each hemisphere has a distinct and different function. Left brain, right brain. Our left brain, it turns out, is good at these kinds of things. Conscious thought, language, linear thinking, strategies, and problem solving. And this is where most disciple-making programs have focused. They've given attention to things like, and we can make a long list here, these are just some of the things, learning biblical information, memorizing scripture, Learning the plan of salvation, developing a one-minute testimony, creating a list of people to pray for, and a strategy for reaching your neighbors for Christ. They have manuals and lectures and sermons that spell out the various steps and processes for growing in the faith. While all of these things are important, it turns out that they shockingly haven't resulted in a great deal of character transformation. And that explains a lot, doesn't it? While we have primarily focused on left brain activities, 65 million Americans have left the church. In most cases, um, they just weren't relationally attached. They weren't connected on a heart level. In addition, taken as a whole, isn't it true that America has increasingly become a post-Christian nation? I know there are a lot of other people listening to this podcast in other countries. So think about what's true uh, in the nation where you live. Lots of energy has been expended on trying to make disciples, but with fairly minimal fruit when it comes to people actually living a biblical lifestyle. Now we know why. So let's turn our attention for a moment to the right brain. This half of our dual processor is where we develop individual and group identity, where we develop relational attachments and a sense of community. This is where we develop emotional attunement to other people. And it turns out that spiritual growth is not so much about what we know, but who we love and who loves us. Here's what Wilder writes in the book that I mentioned, quote, Our right brain governs the whole range of relational life, who we love, our emotional reactions to our surroundings, our ability to calm ourselves, and our identity, both as individuals and as community. The right side manages our strongest relational connections, both to people and to God, and our experience of emotional connectedness to others. character formation. Character formation, which is a primary responsibility of the church, is governed by the right brain, not the left brain, Wilder says. If we want to grow and transform our character into the character of Jesus, we must involve activities that stimulate and develop the right brain. End of quote. So it's not either or. Both hemispheres of the brain certainly are necessary, but it is the right brain that most governs character formation, being conformed to the image of Christ, as Scripture says. This will be a major element of the revolution, the new paradigm of what church is about and what disciple-making is about. This powerful new insight is at the core of our training processes in the Luke 10 community. We focus on helping people develop relational brain skills. This starts with our beginning course, which is Church 101. For five weeks, in a facilitated group, people learn and practice how to connect with one another and with Jesus on a heart level. This is right brain training. And by the way, if you're interested, uh, you can sign up for Church 101 on our website at lk10.com. Once a person's been through Church 101, if they feel the Lord is leading them, they can go on to Leader 101. There, in small virtual groups, we practice a different relational brain skill every month. In the rest of this episode, you're going to hear about the right brain skill of attuning to other people. This is what the epistle of James talks about in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Here's what James says My dear brothers, take note of this. It's like James is saying, Hey guys, listen up. This is really important. Everyone, not just a few people, but everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. These are brain skills. You don't just do this uh, by just trying to be different. It's something you have to practice and learn how how to do, how to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is really brain transformation stuff. So in the rest of this episode, Kent Smith, Tony Daniels, and myself are gonna share some insights about a tool called speaker listener this tool helps us grow in our ability to do what james is talking about listening deeply to other people and this is what our more than 30 leader teams will be working on this next month this is what disciple making looks like in the luke 10 community we think it's this kind of training that is central to the new paradigm of church central to the revolution that is taking place. So, take a listen. For (laughs) glasses. So, um, Kent and Tony and I here, we are, this is a Friday, and this is the uh, R&D Circle, and we were just checking in about some things that we're thankful for, and the topic came up was all that God's been doing through the speaker-listener skill set that we worked on during July. And as we've observed all that's going on there, first of all, our sense is that it probably is going to be a good thing to take another month on this. So our job, just like everybody else's job, is to be radical attention payers. And so that's one of the things that we're seeing. And as we shared about that, uh, Kent, as he often does, had some uh, really helpful things to say about the why of this. Um, So so Kent, share what you shared about conflict and speaker-listener and all of that.
1: Sure. Well, I was just um, commenting on how enormously valuable and I think important in terms of the timing right now it is that Luke 10 is giving this kind of focus to such a foundational attention paying skill. That's really what speaker listener is it's training us to attend deeply and well to each other and to the things that people have to say. And this is foundational not just for good relationship, but even for conflict. And in a time of conflict, there couldn't be anything more important for us to be learning and training ourselves in and then practicing with one another than deeply listening to one another. Because conflict is God's opportunity for us, if we see it this way, to be exposed to new revelation. We see more of what's true as we listen deeply to the body of Christ or anyone we're talking to, really, but certainly within the body. To the other members of the body who have a perspective that's different than ours. And so when we when we encounter conflict, wouldn't it be wonderful if our first response was, wow, I wonder what God's going to show us now. You know, <laughs> I wonder what, what God's up to in, uh, in this opportunity to see more of God's truth, more of God's revelation through a perspective that isn't one I've held up to this point. So um, the opportunity for revelation. And then as we collectively absorb that truth, that new truth that is that is coming to us through hearing the wider body of Christ, other perspectives, then we're in a position to be transformed by that new truth. So, so the pathway to transformation um, is often through conflict and our ability to attend well deeply to one, one another, to receive new revelation in that process, and then uh, ultimately to be changed by it, which is uh, the journey that God's calling us all on. And uh, so, and I was just saying, you know, what a master stroke of the enemy to create a whole culture where our assumption is, oh no, we don't agree. I can have nothing to do with you anymore. In fact, you're probably less less of a real person than I thought you were because you don't agree with me. Yeah. What a ridiculous, you know, patently absurd way to think about conflict. And yet all too often, that's our, our knee jerk kind of uh, impulse to finding out we don't agree with someone.
2: So I'm gonna throw in some questions from leader team people and see what you guys say. So one of the the feedback things was, but why would I wanna listen to someone if I'm not gonna try to convince them of the truth? (laughs) (laughs) So what would you guys say to that? (laughs) Why would I wanna listen to John on politics? if Not to try to convince him I'm right. (laughs) What's the real reason I would wanna listen to him?
0: I'll, I'll share a couple of ideas I bet Kent's got some to share, and probably you do too, Tony. Um, and and I, I think it's actually, we're working on a different parts of our brain, by the way, when we're just, we enter into a listener mode versus a convincing mode. And I have to be intentional about that. Uh, a couple of benefits that I see to that. Uh, one is like what Kent was saying, there's new revelation. It's like when we start listening to each other, I learn things that I might not ever have if I'm intent on trying to persuade you about something. Uh, Second thing that I think is a great benefit is it it builds the relationship. I mean, we're about uh, intimate relationships with one another. And so the idea that um, our relationship can grow and and become closer, uh, even if we might end up disagreeing on something. Uh, So those are two benefits. What do you see, Kent?
1: Yeah. Well, one of our, one of our uh, core commitments and values, one of our convictions really growing out of what we've been learning in brain science and, and really just the nature of God is that, um, you know, I am most deeply connected to the person who conveys to me that they see me, mm-hmm. that they hear me, that they understand me, that they're glad to be with me. And that we can work forward together. We can move forward together. You know, that—that that is the foundation for hopeful and deepening relationship. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if we can't, if, if we're derailed from that process every time we discover we don't see things the same way as someone else, then we've lost the whole, we've lost the whole divine enterprise in our own lives. Um, mm-hmm. We have to, so we have to begin to cultivate this kind of skill set in order to really enter into what love means, what it means to live lives of love. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, the reason to, to answer your question more directly, Tony, I think the reason I would listen to someone um, who disagrees with with me, um, if not to persuade them of my, my position, uh, is to love them in the first place and then to learn from them in the second place. <clears throat>
2: wow good i i in that um i i think too one of the things that we find is when i'm listening i actually find common ground mm. um and i find i discover that we're not he's not the enemy right um but we actually have common ground and then instead of doing this and throwing things at each other we can turn this way and see the problem out there right mm. and we're on the same team now because there's common there is common ground and usually you can usually there's common ground somewhere <laughs> That you can find and mine that and stand in it so that you then can both solve a problem that is a big problem possibly. And now you have all your resources to solve them instead of cutting yourself off from half your resources (laughs) because you didn't find common ground. Um, And uh, and it's
0: true that the deepest... I'm, so, I'm sorry, Tony. go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to reiterate the goal then isn't to change someone's mind, convince them I'm right, prove they're wrong, but love them, <laughs> love them, be glad to be with them no matter what. And hopefully in that, we find common ground and we don't become each other's problem, but we can become the same team fighting a problem that needs all of our resources to solve.
0: I was going to say, isn't isn't the deepest form of love to be able to attune to someone like Ken talked about? even if we don't agree with them that's that's the deepest form i think of, uh, of love
2: yeah you can see their heart behind their opinions or behind their, their thoughts
1: yeah.
2: really hard work though really hard
1: <laughs> especially for those of us who have been raised in a context where rightness was so central to reality and goodness right you know to be right is the key, <laughs> is the key factor of my worth and uh, so really, we're talking to use uh, another metaphor or really another description of reality, I think. Uh, we're talking about moving from being half brain people who are so focused on our position, being whole brain people who are focused on the whole picture, right? Which always, as the people of God, means what's love here look like? What does? How do I respond in this situation in a way that blesses all the parties involved and everything that God is up to? So I don't want
2: to make this too long, but as you're talking, Ken, I'm thinking, well, how do we do that? How do we personally, like, share how, you know, each one of us personally, since John and I raised our hands, like, oh, yeah, I was raised in that family, man. I died, you know, my dad would do anything to be right. I would do anything to be right. That was the most important value. Um, And so what do I do to get out of that mindset, right? And um, there's some images that, that God gives or that I've clung to, and one of them is open hands, like literally when I'm fighting with someone about something I picture the issue in my hands and I open my hands (laughs) literally and I go, okay, I'm not going to grasp this idea or this. I'm going to have open hands so that I can let God have room to move and and me not need to be right. Like I'm going to let go of that need and literally open my hands. That's a a way to do it. Also listening to Jesus helps because he always tells me, uh, you know, the process is what's important, not, not the outcome always, like we were listening yesterday and that, and every voice matters, Tony, and you're going to learn by listening. So I love the way he coaches, you know, when we listen to him. Um, but that's me. So John, what about you? How do you get out of that mindset?
0: Well, uh, first of all, I want to say that you did a great job of that, Tony, a few weeks ago when we were going at it over politics. So you, I, I could see that you, you were doing exactly that. You shifted out of one mode and into a different mode. And I I guess that's the key thing for me is, is just being aware, being aware of what is going on inside of me. I can so easily just overlook that and I'm engaged in this argument and, you know, trying to make my point. But if I slow down and pay attention to what's happening inside and what part of my brain is now engaged and is that where I, where I want to do that? Um, I want to make one other comment is that I think in this area of conflict, um, two things. One is, how did your family handle conflict when you were growing up? I suspect that a lot of our families weren't very skilled at that. And so when we experience conflict in our current lives, uh, it can trigger all kinds of things, but that can be very fruitful way because it points to the places inside of me that need to be healed, uh, that that need to grow, all those kinds of things. The other comment I want to make is, I think this relates very closely to our Luke 10 vision vibrant families of Jesus everywhere. And a mark of, I don't think you get to a vibrant family of Jesus without going through conflict. The vibrant family is not the absence of conflict. It's really how you deal with that conflict that's really the key. Yeah, that's so good, John.
1: And I think that reminder that all of us have been enculturated in our approach to conflict, as in every other way, by our Whole life history up to this point, including especially our family and our early experiences, means that, you know, to watch a video like this, to gather these insights from a good book or whatever, is not to be there yet, right? I mean, to recognize, oh, I need to approach conflict differently, there's still a whole lifetime of kind of visceral gut heart uh, response to conflict whenever it arises. So I think we have to be compassionate with ourselves and with others as we're kind of learning to approach conflict in a whole new way. And, uh, you know, you're asking Tony about how do I respond? You know, one thing that I find really helpful is just, uh, as you have modeled for us, as many have modeled for us, is just to take a deep breath. You know, there's something about the physical process of recognizing, okay, I can shift here. And uh, to begin to learn to do that. um, And at first, like all new things, it will be effortful, it'll be hard to step back from the brink of just cutting that person off, um, at the knees, you know, but if we can learn to begin to, uh, take a breath, to, to open our hands figuratively, even physically, uh, nice thing about a screen is I can't see what your hands are doing. Uh, but to, to make a physical move that says, okay, I am going to respond as Jesus does here, not out of my own kind of habit or or my first impulse. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that can be really helpful in beginning to do that. And then to give each other grace as we all continue to learn how to do this. Ask forgiveness as we mess up.
2: I want to point out both of you said uh things that um i just want to highlight again because they have to do with checking in honestly yes. you you both pointed to physical sensations of you know stress or feelings emotions over you know welling up inside of us and needing to calm them down or physically you know do something to to shift um and you know i think that's why we check in so frequently is because we're trying to create that self-awareness of how i'm feeling right now right because I know in some of our conversations recently, that's been the cue for me that I need to shift, right? Is because I've been emotionally overwhelmed. And instead of continuing to fight, I'll pull back and go, I think I'm really frustrated right now. (laughs) I need a minute, you know, and that has been, but because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that skill if we had not been checking in for years and years, right? On how am I feeling and what do I do with that and being able, and then having a safe environment for me to be able to stop the conversation and share that and y'all are compassionate on that and I get to kind of get myself in a different space so that I can re-engage and that's been really helpful too. So those check-ins are really training us for hard conflict um, when we do that well.
0: Absolutely. Any closing uh, thoughts on all this? Yeah,
1: one more thing in light of that, Tony, you keep sparking great thoughts. I, I think, um, you know, I think what, what you demonstrated for us again in one of those conversations is, Wow, I am feeling so intense right now. I need to take five minutes. Just let me have five minutes here to reorient and you know, check in with the Lord, check in with myself, and let's resume. And that's you know, that's the great thing about in this community. We can practice at that level. You know, we all assume Jesus has things to say here. There is a path forward that is one that brings us to unity. We will find that. And I need to Uh, a timeout, basically. I'm going to put myself in the timeout in order to get back (laughs) on track. Right? Yeah. So thank you.
2: I'm laughing because if y'all knew what I did in those five minutes and, um, you know, we're not in the conflict anymore. So it's funny, but I literally, I got off the phone, I started screaming and I took my pillow and just banged it and banged it and banged it. it. I was so angry. And I think I was screaming the whole time I was banging it as well, um, but it released all that energy so that I could then listen to Jesus and calm myself. But <laughs> I just laugh because I think, thankfully, you know, we're on Zoom and I can mute.
0: <laughs> I think we need a. I think we need a video of that, Tony, so we can uh, share with people. How the
2: kids were like? Is Mom okay? I think she's okay. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> I love it. So what we're saying is uh, that. We all need practice on this. We want to take, I think, another month, uh, August, to do that, and uh, we'd love to hear stories, feedback. Let's. This is a community of practice, so let's let's share what we're learning, what we're struggling with, and uh, learn together.
2: And like we said, a lot of times you need a mediator, and that's why there's three of us, right? Because at any given moment, one of us steps out as mediator, so the other two can do conflict well.
0: <laughs> it's true, it's true. Okay, we good. All right, I'll end the video here.